0: How many people end up with long COVID? The international consensus is one in ten. That would mean, of the 900 or so cases being reported every day now in this resurgence we're going through, 100 people will not get over this virus anytime soon. 70% or so have made themselves go to work, two thirds were able to take some time off, figures from the long COVID registry. We all want to put COVID in the rearview mirror, especially at Christmas, but if we use a bigger mirror, it's still staring thousands of people in the face every morning and sometimes for more than a year, even two years. Twice now, we've talked to our next guest about long COVID and answered your questions. Yale University's Dr. Lisa Sanders is working hard to unravel its mysteries in her laboratory, and she also sees patients. Lisa's a physician, an internal medicine professor, and a longtime New York Times medical columnist. She was the consultant for the TV program House. House. Her work inspired that show and she's been front and centre in the Netflix series Diagnosis. In the US, Lisa's referred to as the Sherlock Holmes of medical diagnosis and she's written several books about it. A listener named Anne says, thank you for your discussion about long COVID. Many people, including some doctors, still just don't really get it. People are unable to cope in all sorts of jobs, let alone provide for their families. Dr. Lisa Sanders at the end of a busy week week in her lab at Yale, I am sure. Hello again.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Very well. Uh, Have you and your colleagues at Yale made much progress since we last talked with you, can I ask? (laughs)
1: <laughs> you mean in our ongoing fight against long COVID? Exactly. Well, we we do this one patient at a time, and hopefully we've helped some patients since we saw you last.
0: Good. I'm sure you have. There's more and more acceptance of the idea that the COVID virus lingers in our bodies undetected. I mean, a version of that happens with chronic fatigue syndrome as well, Lisa?
1: Absolutely. It's It's we see it a lot. We see it with her various forms of herpes viruses, uh, like Epstein-Barr and shingles and, you know, uh, herpes simplex. So maybe, maybe COVID does that and hangs around uh, in, you know, just lurking around the corners. Um, Or maybe it's broken up into fragments and those fragments do things, or maybe it passes through our body and does all sorts of damage and changes all sorts of settings and things and then passes out and and we're just left with the ruin. We don't know yet. And maybe it's, it's different things and different people, or maybe people get more than one version. I mean, we really don't know. Yes. Did you see something that suggested that it was mostly persistent viral? No, virus?
0: not necessarily. I've just seen it referred to a number of times, you know, yeah. for a while now. And I thought, you know, there's no consensus, but there seems to be an emerging opinion, you know.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think that there's we still I think we still have uh, a way to go. I mean, I think that as far as I can tell, people still think that there might be multiple things going on.
0: I think your description just now actually probably sums up what a lot of people have tried to work out for themselves. So that's interesting. The fatigue and the brain fog from long COVID that many people experience. I see a suggestion in a new scientist that plummeting levels of certain hormones might be going hand in hand with this. And that's way above my pay grade. But I thought I'd ask you.
1: Well, it would certainly make sense. I saw two I saw two body chemicals named one which i think is what you're referring to is cortisol that people with long covid tend to have lower cortisol levels than normal um i've seen that with some of my long covid patients not all of them uh but that's just the nature Mm -hmm. of of medicines anything that's true for 100 percent is makes me wonder whether it's true at all um and um the other one is serotonin Um, you know, people with long COVID have been found to have lower serotonin levels. Researchers uh, have tried supplementing the steroid hormones by giving people prednisone or methylprednisolone. And in general, I think you can say that it has not been successful, has not been helpful. Um, The serotonin studies is newer. um, And, you know, if that means ssris for everybody i'm like okay (laughs) yeah maybe that will help
0: yeah and i'm sure some people are on them if people for example have low levels of the hormone cortisol in the mornings i mean cortisol doesn't just wake us up but also uh, governs has a role in governing our immune systems quite a lot layperson's question if you have long covid should you look at somehow boosting cortisol levels
1: I don't know how. I mean, there are things you can do that make you healthier that might elevate your cortisol levels. You could exercise more. You could eat a good diet. Um, I would tell people to do that whether they had long COVID or not. Um, but I don't think that there are other ways to boost your cortisol levels.
0: Okay. It's clear now, Lisa, that women are at greater risk of developing long covid than men whether vaccinated or not i've also seen that
1: i think that uh, women are at higher risk of long covid although you have to understand that there's since there's no test for long covid what we really know is that women go to see their doctors about long covid more than men go to see their doctors about long covid so you know i think i think Probably women have it more because women have a lot of things more. I don't think it's wrong to say that we have more complicated bodies than men and are more subject to a lot of things, um, autoimmune diseases among them. So I'm not surprised by that. And it's certainly what I have seen in my own lab is that women don't greatly outnumber the men, but do outnumber the men.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Dr. Lisa Sanders is with us. You and I have talked about how people who have long COVID often talk about inflammation when there are no markers of inflammation to be found. What does seem to be clear is that when you have long COVID, your body is often forever fighting the manifestation of something, you know, and we wonder what is that something?
1: I wonder too. Yeah i'm sorry i wish i had a better answer but you know what we don't know about long covid so overwhelms what we do know that i i got nothing but you know i sort of wonder whether people's immune system isn't dysregulated or upset after covid i can't really put my finger on it but it it seems like it's Something is out of whack for people. I don't know what it is, and it hasn't really been measured. So autoimmune, I mean, that is one of the ways that people think that long COVID affects uh, those that it takes on. But I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen it in my clinic. I haven't seen a lot of autoimmune diseases in my clinic.
0: Speaking of ser- serotonin, uh, someone says, my doctor says my depression and anxiety that came in after my second bout of COVID is due to the inflammation of the brain. The serotonin and dopamine are blocked. So this is correct. I mean, and also serotonin levels in the gut uh, come into play here, don't they? Because they affect the central nervous system. So that's, that's what we're thinking, that antidepressants will help these people.
1: Well, I certainly hope that's true because that's a, that's a, a, a medicine that uh, we know does good and does very little bad um i don't know that that should get a free pass i mean just because you have low serotonin raising the serotonin level doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily mean you'll make it better i mean it, we don't know whether low serotonin levels is the cause of the symptom or the product of the symptoms sure. or completely unrelated you know a, un, you know there's diseases can affect our bodies in a lot of ways and so maybe this is a way that has no clinical relevance we don't know so it was an observation it was a smart observation it was an interesting observation but i'm not sure that we know what it means on the other hand you know my first thought when i heard that was like okay ssris for everybody <laughs> but uh, but i don't know seriously i don't know whether that will help people and i have certainly seen people helped by SSRIs, I haven't seen anybody harm, but I've certainly seen patients where it doesn't do anything. Okay. Uh, We know that COVID can cross the blood brain barrier and so and we know that COVID can cause uh, uh, changes in, in mood and cause mood disorders. But I'm not sure how it all wraps together. It would be nice if the low serotonin level told us something about what was happening in the brain. I look forward to those answers.
0: Another comment, Lisa. I was allowed to take metformin for the chronic pain and fatigue, which has helped. Metformin is uh, used to treat type 2 diabetes, isn't it? Uh, And can it shorten the duration of long COVID to even a modest extent? It seems that there are lots of kind of remedies being tried that sometimes work for some and not for others.
1: Right, and I would say that that's true with all remedies, works for some and not for others, even antibiotics, I think. um, You know, there are people who can't take certain antibiotics. So I think that that's not unusual. I haven't, I haven't, I've seen that metformin is helpful in preventing the development of long COVID if taken when you have COVID. And that's, that is so important. That is such a valuable aspect. Of metformin and it looks like it interacts with maybe the t cells to change to change their affinity or something um so i know that it's used to prevent the development of long covid i don't know what whether i haven't seen anything about it being used to treat uh long COVID, except that you know everything is being used to treat long COVID. i just haven't seen any studies that look at it in a in a rigorous way
0: okay Jim and Lisa, I think too many people assume vaccination allows full steam ahead. Fighting infection takes a huge amount of bodily resources. Bed and rest is my recommendation. Uh, recovery can be slow, your body tells you. Stuart, people start testing negative and then go to work straight away, rather even when they're not feeling so flash. And that's probably a problem too, for them, I mean.
1: You know, I mean... Uh... Here, I think you can go back to work after five days, and I guess if you feel okay after five days, you know, I mean, I had COVID uh, about a year ago, and, you know, I had a fever one night, I had a runny nose the next day, and the day after that, I was fine. Um, I certainly stayed out of work, it happened over Thanksgiving, so I had days off. So I didn't have to miss any days of work. Um, uh, but, you know, I felt fine after five days. I mean, I felt fine after two days. Um, I didn't exercise because because when I told uh, some of my colleagues that I had tested positive, two said, rest. And so I did.
0: <laughs> after you came on last time, listeners kept extolling the possible efficacy of vitamin C. And there's quite a lot online about its use in combination with the amino acid L-arginine, which I didn't realize was a supplement, but I see it is. Do we know how useful that may be yet?
1: Well, this is what I know. I mean, I I downloaded this study, but I haven't looked at it in depth. But the reason I even heard about it was that there was this very rigorous meta-analysis and uh, summary uh, published by or it was a it was a report published by uh, what seems to me to be the Irish equivalent of the NIH, the National Institute for Health, that looked at as many of the long COVID treatments that they thought were merited being looked into, and most of the most of the interventions they were like no no evidence no bad evidence no and. Uh, L-arginine plus vitamin C was one of the few things that this panel thought cut the muster in, in tests, I mean, in studies that had been published. So I thought that was a, a pretty good recommendation. I, ha- I have to confess, I have that study on my computer and I have not read it. So the original study, I read the study from Ireland. But the original study that they referenced, I haven't read it yet, but I, I I, trust them because they were so rigorous about everything else.
0: So would you use it on your patients, the ones who come in for clinic? I have
1: used it on my patients.
0: And any effects?
1: Well, you know, my clinic is pretty new, so I don't know. I mean, I've only been prescribing it since uh, since the end of July when this study came out. So we'll see.
0: We'll see. Um,
1: I. I have to say, it's not like people are throwing away their canes and running up and embracing me. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think it's a miracle cure. Um, but I, the jury's still out on whether it has any effectiveness at all.
0: OK. James says, I saw a study in the news about the use of creatine helping people restore energy after COVID. Can Lisa comment on this?
1: You know, creatine has been one of these products that has been touted for just about everything for more than 40 years. So I think every time a new problem comes up, creatine turns out to be great for it. Maybe it is. Um, I haven't seen those studies, but I think it's one of these persistent products that is looking for a market.
0: All right, Dr. Lisa Sanders with us. I just want to ask you one more thing from Anne on behalf of a number of people talking about whether they have COVID when they sometimes never even tested positive. My husband has undiagnosed chronic fatigue. He has had an MIR, bloods, etc. All the neurological and degenerative disorders are ruled out. He's in his late 60s. He's completely fatigued and unable to function. He stays positive but uh, was getting less fit daily. He tries to balance exertion and rest as described on websites. He's not had COVID. It's probably uh, some type of CFS any ideas welcomed it's been more than two years Anne. so the question on Anne's behalf could it be long COVID because we do hear reports of the symptomless versions Lisa
1: it could be but it doesn't really matter what caused his ME CFS you know I mean because they it's thought that most ME CFS is caused <clears throat> by virus a viral infection um so it doesn't really matter what whether it's long COVID or not i mean i it sounds like ann's husband is doing the right thing is trying to to work in a little bit of activity without triggering a crash and i think that people have to be very realistic about what they're doing and how much effort it takes i mean thinking is work you know, it, we don't think of it as work, but it is work and has to be counted that way. So I think that the, the balancing act that people with MECFS cfs have to manage is how not to turn into a lump and yet how not to crash. So everybody needs to move in order to keep your heart and your lungs and your muscles functioning. But movement is is tough when you have MECFS. So you have to figure out how to portion out your activities so that you have a little leftover for a little bit of exercise every day and and try to manage. I mean, it sounds like Ann's husband who has, it's, it's a terrible, terrible condition, but it sounds like he's been working hard and that's the right idea.
0: Gee, some people do it hard, don't they? Just, uh, I know we've got to let you go, but you're still optimistic that we will one day in the not-too-distant future have a long COVID cure?
1: I, you know, cure is a funny word. You know, there are lots of diseases that are very well treated and very well managed but aren't cured. And if COVID were to turn out to be, or long COVID were to turn out to be one of them, I would be thrilled. A disease that can be well managed and treated fantastic. Um, That's what I'm hoping for.
0: Thank you for your work. Thank you for your time with us too, Lisa. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thanks so much, Jim.